Ahoy, and welcome in to another exciting episode of Not Allowed to Die, your podcast about mental health, where I, Dan Megler, social worker and life enthusiast, answer your questions about mental health and talk about dilemmas that I'm facing in my practice, both as a school social worker and a therapist in private practice. Alongside me, as always, is Mariska, the three-toothed Patterdale Terrier. It was a big week for Mariska. She had a bath. Mariska feels like she should take a bath once a year, whether she needs it or not. And I don't think she really needed a bath, but she insisted upon it. We were outside. There was a hose involved. It was nice. Mariska didn't mind the bath, but what she didn't like was the blow drying afterwards. Not a fan of the blow dryer, Mariska. So if you feel that might have been traumatic for Mariska and you want to make her feel better, you know how to do it. You rate and review the podcast. Whether you're on Apple Podcasts, whether you're on Stitcher, you just click on there. You give it five stars because we know anything less than five stars hurts Mariska's paws. And we wouldn't, you're not that kind of person. You wouldn't be listening to this podcast if you wanted to hurt her paws. So you might hear her licking a little bit in the background. You know, she's she's still making tear that paw hygiene is really important to her. If you have a question for Mariska and I, you may email the podcast at daniel.magler, that's M-A-I-G-L-E-R, at L-I-V-E dot com, daniel.magler at live dot com. And we, Mariska and I, will comb through the emails and we'll answer your questions about anything mental health related. We will soon be having our first guests on the podcast. Uh, I've got it scheduled, so we'll see how that goes. Hopefully technology will be our friend. And I think we're going to be talking about partial hospitalization programs and just some things for people who've never been through them. I've got two of my um, former customers who have experienced a couple of different um, partial hospitalization programs, and they're going to talk about what it's really like in partial hospitalization program and just kind of do's or don'ts or perspectives of how to get the most out of them, as well as anything else they feel like talking about. So I'm excited to, I think that will officially make it, we're going to call that season three. I have no demarcation to why I make a season a season. Um, it's been about six months. I made at about the six month mark. I made it, I went from calling it season one in my mind to calling it season two and marking it that way. And so now again, it's been about another six months. And so the podcast is over a year old and we will probably, I think with the introduction of guests, that's really been the seismic shift we've been looking for on the podcast. And so I might be, if so if you'd be like to be a guest on Not Allowed to Die, email me again at daniel.maclerlive.com. And any, if it's a mental health related topic, I would love to explore it with you. I've been procrastinating about recording today because over the 4th of July weekend, there was a shooting in Highland Park, Illinois, which is very close to the town where I work. And I had several coworkers and one of them being a good friend who was actually at the parade where the shooting took place. And in talking to her in the days after um, the parade and that experience, I obviously have been aware of the shootings around our country. Most recently, you know, Uvalde, Texas, and, you know, just so many, unfortunately, so many. But I've always thought about the families of the people who were directly involved and not, I, up to this point, hadn't really thought as much about the trauma for all the people who were in the crowd, who survived, who got away, but now for the rest of their lives, will be thinking about that experience anytime they're in a big crowded situation. For my friend, anytime she wants to go to the downtown, a place where she likes to shop, a place where she might've bought her kids backpacks, thinking, wow, that's where that shooting took place. 
and how she can talk to her kid, her three children that she was with, about a shooting. How to let them know and make them feel like they're safe. The degree to which her oldest immediately sort of started saying, well, I knew I was with you and dad, so I, I felt, felt kind of safe. Her middle child, though, feeling more anxiety about it. And that dilemma of, do I force, do I try to say, okay, now, you know, older girl, you have to talk about this? You know, not wanting to pick a scab if, if she seems like she's doing okay and letting it come out in her own time. So what do we say to young people about shootings? How do we not make them scared? Whether for my kids, they weren't there, but they heard about it on the news. It was everywhere and people have been talking about it. What my wife and I say to our kids is that, again, the world isn't necessarily safe, but we, we can't spend our time worrying. Just like when we get in the car, the biggest danger for us is on a daily basis getting in our car and going for a drive. So we buckle up, we put our seatbelts on, and we are as safe as we can possibly be, but we're never actually fully safe, but we just have to do our best to focus on where we're going rather than all the bad things that could happen along the way. And for our kids, who, again, for her kids who were actually there, saying, acknowledging, I was scared too. And if you ever want to talk about it, if you ever have feelings about it, I want to be here for you to talk about. I'm going to ask you about how you're feeling every day. I told my friend to tell, say to her daughter this, even though you're saying right now you don't want to talk. But every day, once a day, a day around nine o'clock, I'm just going to ask you, how are you feeling? Do you want to talk today? And I hope that's not going to be annoying. And then next week, I'll probably ask you every other day. And then I'm going to drop it down a little bit because I don't want to miss an opportunity if there was a time that you wanted to talk. And in addition, I encouraged her you know, her one daughter, the daughter, the oldest is 11, I think then, then nine or eight, and then about five for her kids. And I said, for them, a lot of times doing, just creating art, finding opportunities to create artwork. In the case of kids, it's very hard for them before we're about 15 or 16 to really process our emotions verbally. Some kids can do it as early as 11, but a lot of them, the vast majority of them can't, they don't have access to it. So we can, that's why art therapy is so powerful and beneficial to younger kids. And that's one of the reasons why I don't generally, I mean, I will if somebody asks me to, but I generally try not to work with kids who are under, you know, about that 13 age, because their ability to utilize what I have on offer, which is more just your standard talk therapy, that mental processing of our feelings is not something that they actually have the capacity to do. But in allowing them to color, to paint, to just put artwork out there. Sometimes those feelings, those fears will have a vehicle to escape. And otherwise things are going to start to slip out in stress, in anxiety, in just generally irritability. And I, I talked to my friend that you have to be on guard for your own irritability and all around the household. Otherwise we will start to pick at each other a little bit because of this discomfort. One of my students reached out to me and he was feeling really guilty about the shooting because he had actually met the shooter a couple years prior. They were at an event and he told his father, this guy gives me really bad vibes. And his father said, yeah, you know, he's going through a hard time and we just have to do our best to be supportive and help him out. And my student, he was like, 
I should have done more. I should have really raised the alarm about those creepy vibes that that, that guy was giving off. And that's not fair. The reality is there's a lot of people who can radiate creepy vibes and the vast majority of them will never do anything violent to anyone, let alone shoot up a parade. We want to blame ourselves. We want it to somehow be our fault because the only thing worse than being responsible in some way for a horrific tragedy is acknowledging the fact that horrific tragedies can happen every day and will happen every day and there's nothing we can do to prevent it. That we are helpless and we are not safe. And that's the unfortunate truth that my student has to grapple with. But again, that grief, that I shoulda, woulda, coulda, that's the bargaining portion of grief. Again, what I was talking to a client earlier today and recently they had to put her childhood dog to sleep after, I mean, I think the dog was like 14 years old and just the grief that she's feeling is intense. And part of the reason why it's so intense is because that her father died two years ago and this dog was a link to that family of origin. And with the passing of her dog and her cat that she had growing up is also very sick, she feels like she's in some way losing that family, losing contact with it. I said to her, just as we go into you know the main floor of our house or the upstairs, we don't lose our basement. The foundation remains with us. I wanted to make a Star Wars analogy to her, but she has sadly never seen Star Wars. But what I said to her is, you know, again, in Star Wars, Obi-Wan Kenobi says to Darth Vader, if you strike me down, I'll basically be more powerful than I've ever been. And, you know, he taps him with the lightsaber, Obi-Wan disappears. But that's not the end of Obi-Wan's presence in the movie. In fact, he's a feature throughout all of them. His presence is there. For some younger fans who have, of Harry Potter, I've talked about in the past how Dumbledore isn't gone when he dies in the books. Even though his character is dead and remains dead, he, he still has a presence. And if I think of Dumbledore right now, even though I know he died in the books, that character is not dead. My own father, I mentioned in the podcast before, I wear his wedding ring. I recently made one of those quote posters I talked about on the podcast, and that's now up in my, instead of, it's not down relegated to the basement yet. I have it up um, in our family room so I can see him and just, you know, give a little wink, talk to him as I wander through my life. And ways of keeping these people with us. This client I was talking to today, she though has combined, she has paired guilt and grief. And just like with the student, that desire, we are, we're going to try my work with her over time is going to be unpaired guilt and grief because we should have sadness and grief. And there's a fear for her. If I don't stay guilty, I might forget. I might lose these people I love. So her guilt is a call to action. For some people who have trouble sleeping at night, they're thinking about all the things that they need to do the next day. I'll say to them, well, take a pad and paper and put it by your bed. And so if you're like, okay, I have to pack up these things and you just write it on the paper. And then sometimes your brain will let you go to sleep because you're like, you're not afraid you're going to forget anymore. For my own grief, when Patrick Romer died, I needed to get a tattoo. I hadn't had a tattoo since I was 19. And I needed to get a tattoo so that every day I would see that tattoo and think of him. 
I'd see that tattoo and Patrick would always be present with me and I wouldn't have to fear failing to think about him every day because I, I wouldn't be able to help but think about him. And my anxiety decreased significantly when I, the day I got that tattoo. And I think of him every day. And when I look at the, the tattoo, which was some of his artwork, I feel just connected. And I don't feel a sense of self-blame or anything else like that. I feel like I am connected to him. He is with me. I am bringing him with me all the time, every day. And so finding ways to reduce that anxiety so we don't have to feel the guilt. Again, because the guilt is a, is a call to action. So once I have made the action, I can let go of the feelings of guilt. I don't know how to feel non-judgmental about people right now in the political context who are still pushing the rights of guns. It's often the same people, ironically, who are so right to life and who are anti-abortion are pro-gun. And I feel in my mind that there's a disconnect in those things. And I guess there's not for those people. They find a way for their values to line up. But it's challenging. It's challenging to be non-judgmental about that, especially in light of seeing people that you care about who have been damaged and the ongoing damage of that. As a therapist, when there's actually a person, though, in my world, in my office, I really am coming to them with curiosity. I'm wanting them to not have to worry about judgment. I met up yesterday with a former student, and I've talked about her on the podcast before, where she's uh, she has in the past been a sugar baby, where she gets money for um, connecting with men who are lonely, who are wanting a sexual connection to feel alive. And we were talking about that yesterday a little bit. She hasn't done it in about a year. Um, not but just her, her actual day job has made that uh, challenging to find time for. But that she was also more, more worried that she's dating. She's in a relationship where she's the other woman. Her longtime boyfriend that they broke up has started dating someone else. And now she's kind of the, the third part of that. And... She's like, don't judge me on this. I said, it's not going to be me judging you. My job, or as a friend, in her case, I'm not her therapist, um, is to help her see what she wants and find her way forward. Reflecting back, is this good for, is this sustainable? And is this good for you? She's aware that it's not the three of them having this interconnected, this girl that he is dating doesn't you know not know and would not be okay with it if she did catch him though she actually <laughs> did catch uh saw found some videos on his phone he was looking at some videos of my friend and uh him together and he just played it off oh those videos are old and his girlfriend knows that they used to be together so you know she wasn't happy about it but she she chose to believe and i said she's probably going to keep choosing to believe whatever lies he tells now, this guy, you might want to think, he's just a bad guy. And the reality is, he's not. But he is a guy who's capable of rationalizing. And I think that's what all of us do. We all, you know, there's that old quote that we all create a God in our own image. That God is really mad about the sins that all those other people commit. But he's not, he kind of understands the sins I like to commit. In the case of this guy, he is caring 
and funny and sensitive. And he doesn't, he's not just a fuckboy. He doesn't get around all the time. You know, he's, you know, he had love for both of these two women for years. And he usually doesn't get connected to someone unless he was friends with them. So romantically, there is no connection for him until he has been actually friends with a person often for years before it moves into that stage of life. So we wanted to be a monster and to just say, this guy is just using you and it's just an asshole. Cut him off and move on. But instead, I'm coming to her trying to understand things from her perspective and what she's getting from this. And she's a person that doesn't know that she ever wants a fully monogamous relationship. I said one of the challenges I see to any what he's doing is how there's there's only so many hours in a day. There's only so many units of attention and energy. He's got to go to his day job and work that. And then to try to divide up. For me, if I can just go to work and work out in a day. <laughs> the idea of being able to maintain two romantic relationships at once. Whew. And that's why I feel for people who have you know, children with multiple partners and they're trying to balance these multiple families. That's got to be really tough. And it's hard to imagine that they have enough time and energy to devote everywhere. I was talking uh, again yesterday morning to a different one of my high school students and he they were... Talking about their, they found out that their father is um, about to have another kid here. Their father just turned 50, and his uh, girlfriend, I guess they're engaged, is about 24. And this, my my student, they have uh, older siblings as well, and their father doesn't have good relationships with any of his kids. His kids, I think, are all from different women. And... Their father doesn't really take responsibility. He says, well, it's all on you guys. I, I, I'm showing up. I'm doing what I need to do. He doesn't, he's not really aware. And my client was so conflicted because they just didn't want another kid to come into the world and then have to deal with the lack of proper parenting that they know their father will put forward. I try to reassure them that I'm glad you exist. I'm really glad you're here. And this child is definitely wanted it's actually wanted by their dad and by, you know, the future mother. And so this child has a good shot at having a good life because there are so many kids who come into this world who aren't wanted at all. But yeah, it's going to be their dad is not going to probably turn into a warm, cuddly, fuzzy, empathetic human. And they don't need to feel conflicted about that. They just need to accept what is possible and continue to find is something we've talked about a lot is their chosen family. So it may seem like this podcast has been meandering all over the place. And there's been just, again, a lot of different topics and things that have gone through my mind this week. Most importantly, my heart is going out to all of you who are scared in this time of violence. That seems like it's coming from possibly anywhere. What I'll tell you is, the world is scary and it always has been. That death is out there and it's going to come, not probably when we choose. All we can control is the people we are and the things that we do in our life day to day, every day when we wake up. So every time you get in your car and you put on your seatbelt, you're hopefully more excited about where you're going and thinking about that than you are about the literally thousands of people who could bump into you. And that's how we have to live with love and with putting the best thing forward that we can. 
Final positive uh, for this week is I one of my clients turned me on to another podcast. Um, I think it's like the Live Love with uh, his name is Matthew Hussey. So um, I think for any of you, particularly women who are looking for help with relationship advice, I would encourage you to check out that podcast. It's him and his brother and his fiance, and they seem to have really solid advice. So I'll keep always sharing with you ideas and suggestions for podcasts that I think you might enjoy. So do whatever it takes to get you through this world. Take care of yourself and each other. And remember, you are not allowed to die. And now for something completely different. Sometimes there are no words. Sometimes we need love, care, support, and affection. We don't want to explain anything. For young people with mental health issues like anxiety, depression, OCD, autism, therapy is often not enough. Paws for Patrick is an organization dedicated to connecting the love of animals to the people who need it the most. We facilitate that connection by assigning the seekers who contact us a wish granter who listens to their story and their needs and helps them acquire an animal or training or documentation so they can have their emotional support animal or ESA in their apartment, dorm, condo, etc. We even have trained therapy dogs and handlers who bring dogs to people who can't have their own. Patrick rarely had the words to express his feelings and his needs, but when he had the love of his dog Cece, he had the strength to persevere. We want to provide every young person who could benefit that kind of love and support. Please check out our website at pauseforpatrick.org. Find us on Facebook and Instagram. If you have a need, reach out. If you want to help become a volunteer, fill out the form on our website. If you can donate, great, but please at least spread the word so we can replace the suffering and silence that many people do with the smiles and security that only the love of an animal can bring.